Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boy. The Broom Wagon Podcast is proud to present you Drop to Flat, how a dummy calamaro can enter into the mountain bike world. Episode number two, brought to you by Komoot. How are you doing, people? I hope you enjoyed the episode number one. And first of all, I hope you enjoyed the title of this podcast, Drop to Flat. How cool is it? Thank you, Dom, again. This name is just amazing. And I hope you loved, as I did, my chat with Cory. It was great, full of great quotes. Actually, I got a lot of amazing feedback also on the Instagram, CalamaroCC, by the way, or Broom Wagon Club as well, because some of the quotes of Cory were just awesome, especially the one about inches and millimeters for dimensions of tires. I loved it as well. And I really think that we learned a lot about technique on mountain bike and... Uh, Yes, and actually I really think that I have already a mountain bike just that I didn't know. I need to start riding my gravel bike as a mountain bike and not be scared of it. That's another quote from Corey. Today is going to be even funnier. We're going to really talk about technique on the mountain bike and training and injuries, everything related to that. Thanks to the awesome Katie Curd. Hopefully I pronounce her name perfectly. And yes, we're going to talk about of this amazing things and yes if you don't know katie kurd google her and you're gonna find such a great champion she is and such a great coach she is but wait until a bit of time and you will get into the interview with no problems first of all i have to say thank you to a lot of people and i will start from there first of all i have to say thank you to everybody who uh, chipped in thanks to my coffee account well down here in the description you will find the link and if you want to just click on it anyways go on ko uh, dash fee so ko dash fi.com there you will find broom wagon podcast and there you can chip in otherwise the link is down below and it's really appreciated any kind of support support they already received by komoot and you can receive some pros as well. Just go on komoot.com slash G, like Greenland, and write the code BROOM. If your account is new, you can get an extra region and unlock all the features of an extra region. Anyways, you know that actually you can plan on whatever with Komoot because it's free to use for desktop and mobile. But if you want to have an extra region and everything that is related to offline mapping and turn-by-turn -turn navigation, that's a good step in support that you can also give me by sharing this podcast to all the people that you know that can be interested or even not or just to rate subscribe comment and do whatever you want in every of your application where you actually listen to the podcast that's also super important and that's something that would help me on climbing up on the charts of the podcast another little thing about komoot wait until the end and i'm gonna give you a little feature, some little new things that are making our experience with navigation and plan routing even better. And you're gonna get a bit more about that. I think that at the moment, yeah, I need to also say thank you to little James Arnold, go on his Instagram account, to this for this amazing illustration and animation that is the cover of my drop to flat wow it's super amazing i'll tell you that i watched it i'm super happy i think that that's it now we can jump into the conversation with katie i think that you are gonna enjoy it 
Hi, everybody. And uh, this is, I don't know if the third, the fourth, the th whatever uh, episode of this series. Thankfully, there was Dom from Trash Free Trails who suggested to me uh, the name of this miniseries that is going to be uh, Drop to Flat. Question mark. And also, thanks to Dom, I'm a super great pleasure to have here with me the guest of today. And together with her, we are going to talk about, of course, mountain biking techniques, coaching, but also a lot of cool things. So hold tight because I'm going to misspell your name and surname properly, uh, properly uh, Kathy. So I am here with Kathy Kurd. Card. I know there can be a bad word around, so that's why I can understand that I can make a mess here. How are you doing, by the way? Yes, I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me along. Tell me more about your name and surname, because I think I've made a mess. <laughs> so it's pronounced Katie Kurd. Kurd, um, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's uh, pronounced a lot differently in, uh, in Europe. So <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Yeah, the point, the bad point for me, so I come from the south of Italy. Uh, I've been living around Europe for a bit of time. Now I live in Switzerland. And I can tell you that actually use and C's and K's, that in my alphabet, basically in Italian, we don't have K's, uh, can really mess up with things. And then also the place where you can put uh, your uh, tongue when you're saying Ketty with the without the age and Kathy with the age it's yes. a bit complication so I tend to do everything pretty uniform just a little anecdotes for you uh, I think that I say most of the time it's when something that I don't like for example I have a trail that I don't like or a road that I really don't like or a ride that I don't like I say that I ate it and so most of the time is people say, oh, so this thing, I really didn't like it. I ate it. And then people, ah, so you don't like it. You ate it anyways. What the hell? So I never use the H. So it's a kind of a problem there. I mess up with that. <laughs> Uh, I will try to make as much as I can in terms of pronunciation and mess with you today as well. But probably the best thing that we can do, apart from the little things, uh, thanks a lot, Dom, from Trash Free Trails for the introduction between us. And now today, finally, we can talk about coaching and training for yeah. mountain bikes. Maybe something that would be super beneficial is going to be a little intro about yourself. Yeah. So, yeah, as I said, I'm, I'm Katie. I've been racing now for... I don't know, maybe 13 years. So, um, yeah, racing four cross and downhill mountain bikes. Um, and yeah, just recently, maybe in the last year or two, um, taking a step back from racing professionally, um, just through a series of injuries and yeah, just going on a little bit too much really. So, um, yeah, I've also alongside the racing been doing a lot of mountain bike coaching as well so I've had a my own business Katie Kurd coaching set up for 10 years now um yeah so the last couple of years been like focusing on the coaching side of everything rather than the racing so much and yeah it's been going really well yeah that's super great uh, you were mentioning actually so you have something like I believe something like some cupboards or whatever full of trophies there and you mentioned before uh, about the four cross mountain bikes uh, also some national uh, championship in terms of downhill and stuff so I think that actually talking about differentiation about mountain bikes things at least the classic ones i believe that actually for me it's kind of clear what's cross country so actually sweating and 
so they're like pushing your all day on yeah. top of climbs and going also in super technical descents now enduro is a bit more going super fast in the downhill but also with some effort in the uphill uh, downhill is yeah. just trying not to break any bones on going downhills without breaking <laughs> Yep. What? I know that there is also something like pump track around that is something even more technical with no suspension, basically, or probably they are and stuff. But what's for cross? So for cross is almost like a, a mix between BMX racing and like downhill mountain bikes. So you're on hardtail mountain bikes um, racing against four people at the same time. Um, it's a very short course of like a 40 second, 40 second course over. Yeah, it's on a kind of a downhill trail over jumps and everything yeah everything you can imagine and um yeah you basically start start off qualifying and you may qualify into a category of like 64 and obviously you're racing in heats of four so it's like the first two that cross the line go through to the next round until you're only left with four people and okay yeah the winner is obviously the the last one in the in the final heat so it's um it's a little bit like bmx racing but just on on mountain bikes really so um, yeah, and it, it's fairly similar to like the uh, ski cross and border cross in the Winter Olympics and stuff. Obviously, just not on the snow on yeah. on bikes. So, if anybody's ever clued up with that, okay, yes, makes a lot of sense. Um, can you tell us also something more, maybe about uh, how did you get into bicycles? So, and it was all the time actually yourself riding mountain bikes from the beginning on, gone, or you have also other kind of uh i don't know activities that you do also in other kind of bikes even if bikes are bikes but you know what i mean <laughs> yeah i mean i've been riding ever since i was little really just um yeah nothing serious i mean there's a lot of people that get into racing very young uh especially in the uk but i mean i was just messing around in our local woods with our friends on on bikes and i think when we were growing up we lived in a in a smaller village with not much going on so we would try you know every sport that we could when we were younger so skateboarding and skates and scooters bikes and yeah even stuff like free running we were just trying to keep ourselves amused as youngsters so uh um yeah and then just kept coming back to the bikes. so we would go up to the local woods and build lots of little jumps here and there and it was kind of like the right place right time for me so the the one of the biggest like bike magazines in the uk here mountain bike in uk used to come and shoot all of the features and stuff in our local woods so they kind of saw us ride every every other week or so and yeah as i say it's kind of right place right time and they would help us out with little bits and kit and stuff like that and gradually it, it got more and more and one day they brought a bike up for me and said look here here have a bike and maybe try and come along to a couple of races so yeah i think when i was 17 i managed to drive myself to a like the first race which was literally like half an hour down the road from us and uh yeah never looked back from there really it was the uh, first race actually got picked up by a local sponsor and yeah they helped us out with the bike and off we went so yeah it's kind of the ball got rolling from there on and yeah it seems to just like barrel roll on from there it kind of went from the first little local national race to uh entering national champs as the first race and then entering or oh, got selected for world champs so it yeah it just kind of just kind of went from me just riding the bike to well yeah being stood in the middle of world champs and I was like wasn't really sure what was going wow. on to be honest so yeah wow yeah, yeah. <laughs> it all happened very quick yes 
with a lot of fun, I think, involved in the middle, right? So you're you're out, you're just enjoying yourself, riding in the woods, and yeah, also building trails and whatever. And then you find yourself in the middle of the pro scene, basically. Yeah, definitely. So probably the best way to do it, go about it because everyone I was meeting was just like, "Oh, are you doing this and that and that," and I was just like, oh, "I don't know." I'm just kind of out riding my bike and having fun, and yeah, as, as I say, I didn't really, I didn't really know downhill mountain biking existed or anything like that. I just kind of, you know rode my bike because that's what I enjoyed and that's where we went with my friends so um yeah I wasn't really clued up on it until like the first two or three years of actually properly getting into racing and um yeah so it was all about just just having fun and we used to just ride everything from dirt jumps to pump tracks to yeah cross country to skate parks so yeah a little bit of everything (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it seems like everything is related. Also, the skate parks seems like skating, yeah. especially for people that are so much into mountain bikes. Seems like anyway, skate is still a great part because seems like there is the same. So there is a sharing of actually the same fun of doing things, right? Without thinking so much Definitely. about what else or what they have to train or whatever. You're just doing that. You're just enjoying. You're just a fun. Yeah, I think that's it. I think anybody that's into, I guess it's extreme sports are doing it for the fun of doing it it's like um yeah even if it's you're not being competitive in it it's it's literally just you know getting out there and enjoying enjoying the aspect of the actual riding or skating or wherever it is it's yeah just just for the fun really and I think that's what a lot of the why we're so good in the UK because a lot of you know we we don't have like the the big gnarly mountains out here but we we do have you know pump tracks and skate parks in every single county that you go into so there's lots of yeah lots of different parts of riding you can get into which builds on your skills quite quickly mm-hmm. no yeah that's that's super true and that's actually what you're doing at the moment because you mentioned that because of injuries maybe we're going to talk about that later a bit more in the uh, coaching training side but because of injuries you are not anyways riding professionally anymore uh so that's what you're doing right right now just riding for yeah the fun basically yeah i mean yeah i had a big injury maybe two three years ago now um i managed to come back from it and it um yeah it just made me think do i i mean i had to take probably two years out of racing and it, it did make me think you know like is it is it worth the risk i mean yeah i'm still riding now and i'm probably still going as fast and pushing as hard um i think just when you're racing at world cup level you've just got to push to a completely different level and if you're not kind of i think now if you're not riding on the edge and pushing the limit to the absolute extreme then you you really aren't getting anywhere um and people are willing to kind of lay everything down on the line so um just for that result so yeah for me it was kind of taking a little step back and yeah just making sure riding's fun again rather than feeling like I'm risking my life um so yeah I've spent the last couple of years and just yeah not training and not pushing it you know to that extreme and yeah I'm really loving riding bikes again like it's properly brought the joy back to it rather than feeling like I have to get out on the bike it's I want him to get out on the bike which is nice Yes. So something like uh, taking out the pressure, right? So because I can understand that competing at pro level means, as you were saying, um, training a lot, uh, being outside in the races and move around actually to make the races and actually push your limits and blah, blah. So it's taking out this pressure and just enjoying the rides at 
it itself right just yeah. enjoying your bike as it is yeah definitely and it's um i'm really lucky like i've never had any pressure from anybody else like sponsors or anything like that so um i know there's a lot of team riders out there that that you know they have different things written in their contract and they they do have the pressure of getting these results but i'm yeah i'm very lucky like i've never never had that and i've never had pressure for anybody else but myself like i've always you know if i put my mind to something I want to do well and you know I, I want to achieve so it was yeah I was training hard and I always get into the races thinking well I've trained this hard there's there's no reason why I can't achieve it but if you know on the day if you don't achieve what you're achieving or like what you've set out to achieve sometimes you can get a little bit disheartened and then that pressure kind of builds going into the next race kind of you feel like you you need to be I don't know, proving yourself almost or or just wanting to do it to yourself. But yeah, the, the pressure only came from me. So it was never, never any sponsors. Um, so I feel quite lucky in that respect. But yeah, it does uh, it just builds a lot of stress around it more than anything. Maybe uh, pressure isn't the right word for me. Probably the, the stress more than anything. But yeah, now starting to, well, yeah, that is completely gone and just enjoying, enjoying riding with my friends and riding the local trails and just, yeah doing some races for a bit of fun rather than anything else okay 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 so you're still participating in some circuit and something like national or regional or whatever it is yeah definitely i think well obviously the last couple of years they've not been able to go ahead because of uh covid but um yeah we've, we've had plans to to set out and do some some fun races and for me it's going to be just doing something a little bit different like i've been racing downhill for over 10 years and we kind of we're going to the same venues and you know it's the same people same races same same weekends and stuff so yeah i just wanted something a little bit different so going to be doing some little kind of local enduros or yeah national races and um stuff like mega avalanche or stuff you know like it's yeah. stuff where it's it's still competitive and you feel like you are racing but actually yeah something completely different for my head to to feel motivated to actually go out in there and and do something yes perfect and what about then your i don't know if i want to call it transition but actually your move into also coaching did it come actually natural naturally or you decided to do that in order tell me more about that i don't want actually to put words around that are not true <laughs> yeah so it all kind of started it was a about 10 years ago where I actually got approached by a company that works for the council um, and they wanted to, I I basically helped create one of the BMX tracks where I used to live um, and because I was involved in that quite heavily. Um, the council came to me and asked if I could do some coaching with some of the school kids. So they would bring the school kids to the BMX track that we've built um, and then wondered if I'd be able to coach them. And at the time, I mean, I, I'd never done any coaching before and, you know, didn't even have any qualifications or insurance. So I managed to talk to the council and they helped me out with insurance and yeah, kind of just made up a little program of what to try and coach the kids. And, you know, they all came to the BMX track and it was, some of them lived literally five minutes around the corner and never even knew that the track existed, but they all left the session just like absolutely buzzing. And they were going back to their parents, like, can we go back? And, um yeah that was kind of just what got me started like I absolutely loved doing it and it was cool to see other people um enjoying what I love to do as well so um I kind of went into the idea of 
you know, let's see where I can go with this and actually got the qualifications to become a coach and did quite a few little different courses. And yeah, just, I had a, a job at the time, just working in a, in a pub and in a restaurant. Um, so I was kind of working part-time in a restaurant and then part-time doing some coaching when I could pick up some work, um, as well as racing as well. So, um, yeah, then just has been doing the coaching throughout the winter really whilst I've been racing in the summer and then I'd come back and do the, the coaching as well um so yeah I've been doing it on and off for the last 10 years and it's um yeah it's been going really well um so the, yeah the last just taking the time off of racing and actually focusing on the coaching it's it's been really fun actually just I thought I would miss the racing a lot more but actually progressing in the coaching and yeah, we've been really busy, so it's uh, it's cool. It's 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 something I really love. Like I'm saying, just um, sharing what I love on a on a bike with other people and helping them progress in different ways, and it's really cool to see. So, and I think the the variety for me is, I mean, I coach everybody that's from starting out beginners, literally who've literally just picked up a bike, um, to people that are racing World Cups, which is wow. which is cool. So, yeah, it's a complete difference. Um, different every day different styles of riding like some people are racing downhill some people are literally wanting to know how to get on the bike and ride around you know the local family trail or something so yeah it's cool it's different and but it's all because of the same it's all because people see mountain biking as something fun and they actually want to go out and enjoy it some more so yeah it's a very cool job to have yeah but uh i don't know I will start with that and then we'll come back to the first question that I want to make. So you're saying that actually uh, everybody sees um, mountain bike as something fun. Is it really fun from the first lesson or the first session, coaching session that you do with them? Or at the beginning, there are also some people that are saying, look, this sucks. I'm not going to come to you anymore. <laughs> um, I think 90% of people are doing it because they love it. They, yeah, they absolutely enjoy it. Um, I've had the odd few people that come along because, you know, their partners, their boyfriends or something are into it and they, either their partners booked them a session or, or they, they want to try and get into it and they come along and they're, they're, they're so nervous because they don't, you know, I, I guess they don't know what they're doing and they don't know really why they're doing it. Um, so I think it's nerves more than anything else, but actually by the end of the session everybody is actually like oh no that was cool but I think it's because they feel like they've achieved something so yeah they're progressing on and they most of the time they're like wow I never thought I'd be able to do that and you know if I took them there at the start of the session and tried to make them ride it it would never happen and yeah because of that they they go away with a little bit of like you know that buzzing feeling and as I say kind of feeling like they've achieved something and can move on from there and try something new so yeah yeah yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And so you were also talking about the variety of people that actually join your session. So this yep. means that actually you are training, you told it pretty clearly, but this means actually that you are training also people that are newbies when they are, for example, my age, around their 40s, or they are just already super good when they are in their teens. So this means that actually everybody can start, right? Definitely, yeah. And I mean, actually, our kind of most popular age category is people between kind of 35 to 45 so um it is kind of that that older group of people that kind of have got into mountain biking but haven't done it from a very young age um and wish that they had so 
yeah, it's just wanting to progress themselves that little bit more or, or feel safe on the trails more than anything. Like, um, you know, we've got variety of like blue, red, de- like black trails around here. And, um, you know, some people are really happy with riding just the, the blue lap over and over again, but then they're kind of tempted into doing something more. So that's that's where the coaching element comes in to to make sure that they are safe when they're going around stuff. Yeah, can still enjoy it. Yes, yes. No, it's uh, it's perfect. I truly believe that actually you are right because otherwise uh, the alternative that you have uh, if you are in the target age that we mentioned, it's basic, basically it's my age. Uh, you can, of course, you can progress yourself. You can go down any trails and try to learn by failing. But for sure, failing when you are in your 20s and failing when you are in your 40s, it's a bit different because actually your reaction are a bit slower because you are slower. And then as well, probably you have a bit more heavy head because you think a bit more about the consequences and stuff and blah, blah, blah. Of course, it depends on the on the person that you are, but still. Um, but yeah, I can understand that actually maybe having an extra session coaching or somebody does it or somebody gives you also some tips or give you a bit more of safety and control at least an idea of control it's way better so i can understand that actually makes a lot of sense i would do it myself basically but i have a friend of mine who once i'm gonna pick up a bike i think he's gonna he tells me all the time we can go, go out together i've been doing that for 25 years 26 years now i can give you any tips or whatever but you need for sure somebody giving you the direction yeah yeah i think it makes a a big difference i mean uh we have a lot of kind of you know partners come along um because they're they've their partners have tried to give them some coaching or something and it just doesn't go in so it's um hearing it from somebody else or you know it could just be like that small little bit of advice that makes the world a difference that you wouldn't know if you you haven't kind of yeah done the qualifications or you know spent time and time like looking into those small little details you know most riders just get on their bike and don't really know why or how they're riding so good most people are just natural on a bike so um yeah, it's very hard to explain and break some, the uh, break down the skills and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think it does make a, a big difference when you're actually getting advice from from someone, yeah, a professional coach or. Yes, absolutely. You have a bit more something that you want to listen. You try. I don't want to say trust the trust word, especially if we're talking about couples and stuff. But there is your this kind of extra trusting word you never trust who you have close by you so if there is a professional telling you stuff even if he's saying or she's saying the same thing you trust more and it makes a lot of sense i would do the same and i usually do the same so yeah definitely i think it is that trust and that's that's one of the words that i guess people use quite a lot around the coaching sessions it's um i think it's how you explain stuff like you know you could be saying one thing but actually, if the person that you're coaching doesn't understand why they're doing it, then then they might not trust you, and they might not yeah might not believe what you're saying. But actually, when you can tell them what they're supposed to be doing, the reason behind it, and then um, then they can feel it for themselves, then that's where you can build the trust quite quickly. And I think that's where yeah that you build that bond between your your client and the coach as well. So yeah. yeah. Um... So let's go into the topic straight away. Uh, probably you have also a more experience than me on that. But coming from classic drop bars, 
training in this direction and stuff and trying to go into mountain bikes. Can you tell me the differences that are around? And I think that we can start now and finish the day after tomorrow. <laughs> tell me everything. I'm not going to tell you, give me the key ones. No, tell me everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, there's, yeah, there's going to be so much uh, differences in it. Um, I think the the biggest thing that stands out for me is when you're riding drop bars and on the gravel bike, you're you're almost in one set position for the the entire time. Like you you are resting on those drop bars and you you're not having to move around the bike so much. Um, obviously, your legs are moving all the time, but you're, it's not like you're in a fixed position like constantly on the road bike. You are kind of moving around a little bit, but when you're on a mountain bike, you've got to constantly adjust for the the, the terrain that you're riding underneath you all the time. So, uh, one of the biggest things that we uh, go on about in the coaching is the, the position you're actually stood on on the bike so if you're in slightly the wrong position or you know like you're you're not relaxed and you're kind of stiff or hanging off the back of the bike you're never going to be able to react to the trail underneath you as quick as you need to um, and you're never going to be able to create enough room for the bike to start moving around underneath you um, so that's one of the I guess the the, the biggest differences that that shouts out to me um there's also the other thing of you know like you've got to be incredibly strong on a in your upper body for a mountain bike to like I guess it depends what you're riding but if you're starting to come down some of the the gravity fed trails then you know like you've got to have a lot of upper strength in your in your arms and your shoulders to be able to yeah cope with throwing the bike around or you know with the wheels when they go into the the big holes and stuff like that um yeah, I think for me it's going to be the moving around on the bike, which is the 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 biggest thing that I can see between the the differences of riding a drop bars to kind of mountain bike style bars. Yes, you were saying something like, uh, yes, so being relaxed while you are going downhill. Uh, then I actually go downhill with my road bike and also with my gravel bike. And you can understand that actually the conditions are different, right? You are going in really smooth or at least decently smooth tarmac or smooth or decently smooth, something like fry roads or whatever. I also got some uh, single tracks and stuff most of the time because it's also fun. I am never relaxed. How can you be relaxed in going down? It may be super fast and then you need actually to, um, I don't know, something like detect which one are the right lines to take or whatever and still being relaxed. I can understand the technique of moving around the bike. It makes a lot of sense. But being relaxed, how can you do that? Apart from a lot of practice, I think. <laughs> yeah, I guess it does take a lot of practice. Um, uh, and just when you understand and know what you're supposed to be doing on that bike, uh, you can like, as long as you're in that right position, you can really start to relax. Um, if you're, as I said before, like if you're slightly hanging off the back of the bike or you're like gripping onto the bars, um, you're going to feel every single bump and rock and root that you're going to go over, which then builds a lot of tension through your body. And it just kind of goes in this vicious circle because you're feeling every vibration. It's going to make you want to grip on even harder. Um so, yeah, just knowing kind of where you should be putting your weight, where you should be kind of stood and sat on the bike um, does make a big difference. You know, like you're holding your weight in a different way that actually allows the body to absorb the the impacts of what you're riding over rather than, you know, getting shaken around on top of the bike. So, 
um, yeah, that body position is absolutely crucial for being able to relax. Um, and it's kind of, I've looked into it a lot. And if you watch races very closely, you'll see that, you know, most of the time their bodies are literally doing something completely different to what the bike is. So um, it shows that they're relaxed and they're kind of ready for what's coming up next rather than kind of anybody that's holding on tight is going to get thrown off the bike very quickly. So, um, yeah, it is just, I guess, knowing where you should be and um, how you should be stood on the bike makes the biggest difference of, yeah, being able to relax um, and then practising that over and over again. And I mean, we're all going to have those times where we're going down a trail um, and we tense up and you'll feel it straight away. But it's, yeah, trying to remember to get back into that position and, yeah relaxing up again <laughs> okay makes sense makes sense and um something that actually i wanted to ask you so you were saying yeah because if you are too stiff on the bike and uh, you are there super tense and you want to grip on the bike even more and then you are feeling even more all the bumps in the terrain but actually that's why somebody moves to mountain bike right because there are suspensions so you don't feel anything if even if you are stiff does it work in this way uh yeah i guess so it's um you know the you're going over so many rocks and bumps and everything like that. And, you know, like most people riding mountain bikes are riding full suspension bikes. Um, but even then, like if you're on a full suspension bike and you're stood in the wrong position, then okay. there's, I mean, even if it's set up in a different, different way, then you're, you're going to feel the bike working in a completely different way than what it's supposed to do. So yeah, I mean, there's thousands and thousands of pounds that are going into building and creating the geometry for every single bike company out there. Um, but yeah, if, if somebody's kind of hanging off the back of the bike, then the, the geometry isn't actually going to work as, as well as it should do. So yeah, it's, it's one of the first things we set up with everybody that we coach is just their position on the bike, no matter whether they're a beginner or, you know, elite racer being paid thousands of pounds to, to race world cups. It's, it's something we, we hammer in because it does make a, a big difference to no matter what trail you're riding. Okay. And uh, yeah, I can completely see the point. So it doesn't matter on what bike you ride, if it has suspension, doesn't have suspension, have only front suspension or nothing at all, you still need to work yeah. on that technique moves because otherwise... Yeah. You were talking about body position on the bike, right? Can you give us just, uh, of course, without seeing us riding the bike, without seeing me riding the bike, you cannot give on point and on spot uh, tips. But how it is usually something like how should i put my core on going and down it's a bit more relaxed and maybe also cornering a bit better yeah it's a hard one um there's lots of obviously so many points that go into it um but some of the main things we we see all the time is um people wanting to bring their weight off the back of the bike especially when they start going downhill um and i think it comes from you know mountain bikes about 10, 15 years ago, okay. um, when, you know, like, I mean, maybe 20 years ago when you didn't have the choice of drop a seat post and stuff and you had your seat right up underneath your bum and, you know, you had to move off the back of the bike to create space for, otherwise you get thrown off the, the front of the bike. So now the, the bikes and the geometry have moved on so much, it's, uh, the, the position on the bike has changed as well. So, um, yeah, we get people to try and stay nice and central um try and stay fairly light on the bike um being able to push in certain places um 
because now the bikes are, you know, real slack head angles. Um, and yeah, just kind of really long geometries as well. So the wheelbases are crazy long. It allows you to actually sit in the center of the bike and the bike to start doing the work underneath you rather than you having to do too much work on, on top of the bike. So, um, yeah, just trying to teach people to stay nice and central on the bike more than anything. Um, and being able to, you know, like you're speaking about cornering, being able to, to load the front and the back of the bike when they need to. Um, yeah. So there's lots of common things that we see, uh, through different riders, but yeah, there's lots of, uh, little individual things as well that, um, obviously we pick out through, through different people that it's basically the, the, the more advanced you are on a bike, like the, the more years you've been riding, um, it's normally like the tiniest little differences can create that kind of biggest difference in your timings or how the bike feels underneath you. Whereas if you're, if we're coaching a complete beginner, it's, you know, we can give them one step and, you know, it, it makes that massive change as well so yeah yeah because you can see actually the progression right way easier so yeah you're yeah. taking something like a blank paper and then you start teaching from there yes exactly yeah so for a beginner it could be you know we tell them one thing and it might make 10 seconds difference on the trail but actually for a an elite racer you know we could tell them one thing and it you know you might be taking half a second off their off their time or something like that so it's those tiny tiny little differences but I guess when you're racing at, at World Cup level, it's, you know, half a second could be 10 places or something like that. So, yeah, it's, uh, it is quite hard work when you're working with elite level racers um, to be able to spot those tiny little differences and for them to be able to feel the difference as well. So, yeah, but it's, it does make it fun. Yes, but actually I have a super curious, so in general, uh let's see if i want to ask you in general in particular but basically no let's go in particular so you are training a, a rider in at World Cup level right how do you spot these little improvements that you can have you are riding together with him or with her uh down in the trail and so you check really close by or you just sit in front of the corner for example or in front of the technical part i don't know a rock garden or whatever it is and see around okay uh, can be this can be that how do you usually spot these things uh yes we work in a, a few different ways so what i'll normally do is is follow the rider down um and then be able to kind of look where they might be losing speed or, you know, where they might be tensing up on the trail. Um, the next thing I'll do, which is probably the biggest thing, is actually stand at a certain section and get them to ride past me so I can see it without me having to concentrate on me riding a bike as well. Okay. <laughs> um, and the third and the most useful thing is video footage. So I use my my phone and I can actually video the, the person coming down and then I can literally scroll through it like frame by frame and you can see the tiniest little things um, of what they're doing on the bike. And that's the most useful thing for like one-to-one -one coaching because you can, you can actually show them back. So, you know, I don't know if you've ever had yourself filmed when you're riding, but something that, you know, sometimes it feels like you're doing something and you, you watch yourself back and you're like, oh God, no, you're, you know, like it doesn't feel like that at all. You, you could be crawling past on the video or something like that. And it feels like you're flying down. And um, so, yeah, video analysis is the, the biggest one for us. Um, and it really helps 
me find all those tiny little differences and it really helps the the riders kind of feel and understand what we're talking about as well so yeah yeah, yeah. no yeah it makes a lot of sense actually i was not considering the video uh, recording video session but you're completely right uh, taking a video yeah. of it and then checking is the same as the position on the bike, for example, whatever. With a video, it's spot on. You can completely understand, okay, here is the mistake. Why? That's why I'm not going so fast or in uh, position on the bike and bike fitting. He, that's why my back is hurting all the time because there are yeah. some stuff that are not set up perfectly. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, keep going on about races and stuff. But, you know, I guess because of my background of racing, we do kind of get a few races coming in and so we've got um the free lap timing poles as well so we use them in for the coaching sessions as well so anybody that's wanting to kind of really see that progression in their riding so we you know we might start off just by getting them to do a lap of you know whichever trail we're using and then then we'll do the coaching on it um work on a few different pointers and then maybe we'll we'll do a few timing laps after that and see their times improve and i mean we've got sort of a 40 second track just over the road from us and um you know we managed to knock six seconds off with one of the one of the local riders and you think six seconds on a 40 second track and it's wow. it's pretty incredible what you can do so yeah if you're taking that onto a three four minute world cup track you just think how much time you can can knock off and i think that's if you're working with that kind of level of rider i think that's what most people are missing like most people don't do any timed runs um until they're at, at the races so um yeah it builds a lot of stress so to be able to actually offer the the timing during the coaching as well is is quite good for people to actually kind of relate back to that that racing situation again yes absolutely absolutely so we talked about basically technique because i think really that technique is really crucial on the training on mountain bike way more than on drop bar road bikes or gravel bike because they are really yes of course you can uh, improve your technique in downhill or whatever but you're spending most of the time on flat and on uphill and there you really make the difference so it's the shape of your legs right yeah. but another thing yeah. that you point out is actually the strength of your upper body that we have all in our face, right? The image of a classic uh, cyclist and road cyclist that is completely thin, arms that are really thin and stuff. So no strength on the upper body and then legs that are something like, I don't know, something that are really, really solid. Let's put it in this way. While on mountain bike, you really need to increase the, the power that you have in, in your core and actually in the upper body, right? But how do you train that? Just by going down the trails and doing also together with your techniques or you need also to hit the gym? Yeah, I mean, um, gym work is absolutely crucial. So, I mean, you can you can train and train all you want on the, on the mountain bike. Um, but yeah, every single World Cup racer out there is going to be hitting the gym in the winter maybe four or five times a, a week. So, yeah, you've got to be incredibly fit, um, so strong in your core. You've got to you've got to have that strength and endurance in your legs to be able to. You're, you're basically in a constant squat pattern for sort of three or four minutes. Um, okay. So you can't have that fatigue. Um, and yeah, so it's it's kind of an all body, all body fitness because you've got to have the strength in your arms to be able to hold you up when you're going down the steep sections. You've got to have that core to be able to have that control, um, and you've got to have the strength in your legs as well. So yeah, it's a uh, there's a lot of gym work involved, a lot of fitness. 
um, and then a lot of skill and technique involved in it as well. Um, because probably that's another thing that I would love to kick out on that because basically all of us drop bar riders, we think, okay, let's go, we are going to have this climb that is going to be 25 kilometers long. We are going to actually climb up 1,000, let's say, 1,500 meters. So you start from uh, 500 meters and you arrive to 2,000. You're doing all yeah. the hard work there. You're making your full interval there of one hour, let's say, one hour and a half, whatever it is. For me, it's more. And then you arrive at the downhill and you basically, ah, okay, now it's a downhill. Now I can relax. And going <laughs> down, really sitting there, enjoying the, the view. Or if you are a poser, and I have a lot of friends that are pure poser, and they basically hate the I hate them, not hate them, hate them, uh, <laughs> because they are there going super fast, putting in a super aero position, just posing around like everybody like to do. But in mountain bikes, it's not like this. You need to make a proper effort. You were talking about um, really pushing that interval super hard in order to go up. Depends on this, on the... Um, uh, on what you're doing, of course, depend on, on which one is your way of cycling. But then you have to go down. And also there, there is a lot of physical activity involved. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's massive. Uh, I don't think anyone that doesn't understand the sport thinks, oh, yeah, you know, downhills is really easy. You know, you, you literally just go down the hill. Um, until you try it for yourself, I don't think you really understand what, what's involved in, in being able to get down the trail. Um especially when you're you're talking about the world cup level you know those the, the tracks are are crazy now like they're pushing the limits of the riders every single year it's you know the trails are getting faster they're getting harder the, the everybody's pushing harder so the holes are becoming bigger as well so yeah you've i mean it it sounds you know 3 or 4 minutes compared to you know like an hour and a half interval or something like that it, you know think oh 3 minutes is going to be easy but you know it, it's like a 3 or 4 minute absolute max sprint with your whole body as well so it's not just your legs and your lungs doing the work it's you know your arms get fatigued your fingers just being able to pull on the brakes is 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 hard work um yeah obviously your legs and so yeah you've i mean some of the the fittest people i know are are downhill racers okay. um also cross country is like i i have a huge amount of respect for the top level cross country racers i mean you know, they're pushing it so hard up the hills and, you know, they used to kind of use their, their downhill on the trails to recover. But now, you know, like you're watching, you know, top level athletes absolutely sending the downhill stuff as well. Um, you know, on these tiny little flimsy bikes that are made to be completely lightweight and they're not hanging about. So, yeah, you've got to be crazy fit and crazy strong. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, something that I want to ask, just because I think that... Uh... Yes, just to put there on the table, because I usually do two or three times a week, I know I should do more, every morning, uh, stretching. And they do it because it's better to be a bit more flexible on your drop bar bike or whatever, but also uh, to have a bit more of relief on your uh, on your muscles, on your back, especially a problem with the back and, th and things like this. It's also super important, stretching or all the core free body activities in the mountain bike. Would you consider that as a huge part of the training and of the coaching as well? Yeah, definitely. I think um, stretching is like speaking to a lot of my friends who race, who race is like one thing that they, they don't do just because they find it boring almost. Um, but yeah, it's so important. Um, you know, if you're not stretching after every gym session or every every downhill workout you know even just kind of 15 minutes stretching out after like a 
turbo session, you know, you're you're going to get super stiff and your muscles aren't going to be able to recover as quick. Um, so then you'll go into the next training session and you're you're not going to be able to train as hard as you need to or want to. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I I do yoga maybe three or four times a, a week and it makes a huge difference to my body to be able to recover quicker um, and also fend away injuries is the one of the biggest things like you know if your muscles are constantly stiff and holding that tension then injuries come easier and easier so yeah the more kind of relaxed your muscles can be then the less injuries you're going to have as well so yeah I think it's a, a massive part of um being able to recover and yeah, making sure every single session out on the bike is yeah easier and more fun as well. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Just want to ask you a couple of questions that for sure, the first one that I'm going to do straight away is going to sound super stupid, uh, <laughs> but I'm going to do it anyways because I'm coming into this new world. I want to know to ask also stupid things. Um, so you were mentioning before a couple of times about braking. So something like also braking on the bike. It's super hard work for your body, for your fingers, for your arms. Um, and you were mentioning before as well the body position on the bike. Basically, yeah. the thing that I notice all the time especially when I watch enduro races and downhill races, is that basically you're telling me these things and it seems like they're really combined, but basically it seems all the pro athletes, they never break. They just probably <laughs> pull the brakes just when there is the finish line and then they arrive, they, they break, and that's it. You know, maybe also doing some, if they're arriving in the first position, also being happy about that. Is it really like this? Do you really need to pull the brakes or...? Oh... <laughs> <laughs> uh. Um, yeah, there's a there's a big perception that a lot of the the fast riders don't use their brakes, but actually, um, you know, one of the using your brakes, I I generally believe this. If you don't have the trust in your brakes to slow down, you will never be able to speed up. So, you yeah, my brakes are one of the biggest things that I love because you know they're the things that I trust. If I am going fast, I need to know that I can stop in time to to be able to hit the corner or hit the feature or you know whatever you're about to ride so um yes uh we use our brakes a hell of a lot um i think it's just trusting that you can actually slow down and um in time so the biggest thing that we see when we're coaching kind of beginner riders is as soon as you start going downhill people just like to be on the brakes from top to bottom and you know like the cross-country descent we've got here is maybe 10 minutes long so if you're on the brakes for 10 minutes you are going to be you know as soon as you brake you build tension through your arms to stop yourself going over the bars um so yeah you've it's one of the the big things that we coach is where we should be braking and and how that helps you to kind of relax over the more technical stuff as well so yeah I think uh, downhillers love their brakes, and if their brakes aren't working, they aren't going to be able to speed up. So, <laughs> yes, it makes sense. And actually, I think that this would be super beneficial. The thing that you just mentioned would be super beneficial as well for me because I'm the same. When I just going down for one of those 20, 30 kilometers downhill, uh, up from the Alps and down, I'm constantly on the brakes because I'm super scared. And instead of doing like everybody says, and I don't do it because 
I don't know, because I'm stupid, that's what we were saying before. I just <laughs> break for the old time, while on the other side, the thing that you have to do, you have to break before the corner, then taking the corner, going fast, and then before the other corner, breaking and continue, and try to use all the road that you can. And I think that actually is more or less the same thing in mountain bike, something like breaking before the technical parts, cornering or whatever is the terrain, not during, because otherwise you're going to just build up tension, you'll never get speed, and the lower is the speed the lower is the control that also you have on the bike so yeah definitely i think the unfortunately the faster you go on a on a bike the easier like the easier it is um you've just got to make sure that the faster you go that you're actually able to control that speed so um yeah you're it's like in a car if you slammed on the brakes everything travels forward if it's the same on a bike if you if you're on the brakes your your body weight wants to go forward so you have to be able to build that tension in your body to stop yourself from going forward so if you're braking whilst you're going over you know like a big rock garden or something like that you're just it's not going to end well so you've got to be able to take your speed into it be able to control that speed break before it and then be able to be in that right position to be able to get over that feature so it's a lot to think about Yes, absolutely, absolutely. But that's the thing. The more you practice, the more natural it comes, right? Yeah, 100%. And it's, um, you know, coaching is going to accelerate that, you know, like your your progress and your performance. But uh, yeah, it does come with a lot of practice. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, something that I want to ask you as well, it's about... Um, I know that's another silly question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So there are... So I, we all know that actually mountain biking, and actually we mentioned this as well, can actually ride and arrive to also some uh, injuries, right? Can be the classic one that also the road cyclist has, that is kind of the collarbone, but can be everything else, concussions and whatever it is. Uh, there is a way of training the both of them. So your body, your strength, and your technique in order to avoid that. I think that's something we mentioned already. And the question is uh, way more silly now than it would have been without talking about that. But tell me more about that. Yeah, I think uh, when you're taking part in an extreme sport, you know, you've you've got to take in, in mind like the, you know, the strength, the fitness, um, but yeah, the skill as well. So um, there's lots of different aspects of, you know, training in each side of it, I guess. Um, you know, when you're looking at a top-level rider, they're going to be making time for the gym. They're going to be making time for, you know, road biking to get fitness. They're going to be making time for, you know, putting the hours in on the bike as well. So, um, and they won't just be won't just be going out and smashing downhill laps over and over again. They will have things that they'll be thinking about, whether that's their bike setup or their actual setup on the bike as well so um yeah i think it's you know you're talking at an extreme level now looking at the you know top paid athletes but they're it's something that they'll schedule in throughout the season and um i'm seeing it now you know lots of riders are using this time now coming into sort of march and april that they're actually getting back on the downhill bikes after maybe you know four or five months in the gym or something like that and not not touching their downhill bike so um this is where they'll start kind of working on their skills and building their speed and yeah start 
pushing their skills work a little bit more. Okay, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And that's something super cool that you're saying that every kind of athlete, mountain biker, whatever, needs to take time to be a complete athlete. So this time that you need to spend probably as well on the indoor trainer or in the gym or on your mouth to uh, to do your stretching or whatever it is, it's super important actually also to... Of course, uh, let's talk about that. Shit happens. If you have a crash, there are situations where you're going to get injured. There's not anything that we can avoid. But on the other side, trying to get all these things in control and try to get your strength properly and try to be sure that once you are in a situation that is, yes, is not the best, you have time, possibility and strength to react fast. It's always a good thing. Yeah, I think that's that is one of the main things. Like if you know that you've done everything to prevent, you know, prevent your injuries, you're strong, you're fit, you're, you know, you're um nice and relaxed if you're doing your stretching and stuff like that, you know that you've done everything possible that you can to prevent those injuries. Like, yeah, we're doing extreme sports and you know, I, I hate the term is part of the sport, but it, it it actually is like, you know, when you're pushing your limits um you're finding the edge of your grip and you're, you're finding I guess the edge of your ability to be able to go as fast as you can and still be able to feel in control so um yeah unfortunately having crashes is kind of part of the sport when you're kind of riding on that edge and you know nine times out of ten you're you're crashing you know you'll get straight back up again without an injury there whatsoever um and yeah you just might have that one unlucky thing and it might not be a big crash it might be the smallest crash um you've ever had but it yeah it can cause like a broken bone or something like that so yeah it's it's annoying um because it takes away from you know what we what we all love and especially if you're training that hard then you know you you may have trained for nine months for for these races for it all just to kind of go down the pan for yeah sometimes you're out for a whole season Yes, yes, well, and super frustrating, I think. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, just want to ask you another little question, and it's about still the training. Do you think that actually uh, doing one of those uh, mountain bike techniques, training, uh, retreats, session of weekend or whatever it is, for people that, in general, I think that for newbies, they make sense a lot because you are really jump on the bike for the first time and it's going to at least build up your uh, joy of being on the bike and that's great yeah. but also for people that are coming for example for a different discipline and stuff do you think it makes sense basically to do these kind of retreats in order to build up your techniques and skills and blah blah are they valuable or the most important thing or way more valuable is actually to do a couple of coaching sessions and then train hard on that little things that your coach is telling you uh, I think it's a good question so we the I say that the the biggest people that we have along for coaching are people that have been riding for maybe twenty years or so, um, and they basically just come along and say they 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 don't feel like they're progressing at all. You know, they've been riding the same trails for the, for twenty odd years. Um, they're not getting any faster, um, and they just want to see where they can progress. And you know, we give them one coaching session, and ten minutes into the session, they're like, "Oh my god, I didn't realize the bike could feel like this." So straight away they they they've progressed already so and we're giving them skills to you know be able to ride any trail not just the trail that we're taking them on um so i think it's really cool to to hear that kind of stuff you know it is cool to see beginner riders progress but um 
I think when you're you're starting from scratch, then the only way you can go is up. But actually, when you've been doing something for twenty odd years, and then you 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 feel a real difference on the bike, it builds your confidence straight away. Um, and yeah, in other terms of it, you know, we're coaching elite level like cross country riders, and you know, we're getting them to ride some some downhill trails and stuff like that, and switching over the disciplines, and it it really helps build their their skills and um i do a, a little bit of work with some of like the the younger riders as well and get them to ride loads of different types of riding so they're out riding pump tracks skate parks um cross country like downhill stuff to to really really build every kind of skill that they can really because everything's you know downhill is yeah well downhill enduro just mountain biking it, it involves a lot of moving around on the bike and a lot of being able to react to what's coming at you. So, yeah, the the more skill work you can get on the bike, the the better rider you're going to be at the end of it. So, yeah, yeah I think it's really important. So no matter the discipline, that's also another thing that I wanted to ask you. Actually, there are not specific things that you need to do if you are riding a bit more how do you call it, normal mountain bike, trail mountain bike, whatever it is, or enduro mountain bike or downhill, it's basically the combination of all the techniques, basically. So the more, the let's say, the more differentiated is your ride, the better rider you are coming. Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. The, 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 uh, the more things you can get out of a ride, the, the more skilled you're going to be on it. Um, yeah, because it's not like some sports, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. I don't, I don't know. Like thinking about something like golf, it's just a repetitive thing. Like it's it's your swing, and it, you know you might have different elements with the wind and stuff like that. But it's it's that same thing over and over again. Where there's the mountain bike, it's yeah, everything can be different. You know, you've got to be able to react to conditions that could be hammering down with rain, and you know, oh, or, yeah. and you know, like you could know a trail off the back of your hand, but you know the conditions out there may have changed it and it could be completely different so you've got to be able to be able to react um without having to think about it too much so um this is where if you can spend time working on your technique and your skills then yeah when you're actually getting to a race or something you just manage to kind of almost switch off your brain and kind of ride yeah ride on reaction rather than kind of thinking about what you're coming into and what you need to be doing Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I have this other question that I want to ask you, actually, Cathy, and is, can you tell me a couple of cool anecdotes of crazy, silly things that you were not expecting to see? Or, yes, let's go on that, that you were not actually, you were not thinking to see during one of your coaching quest, uh, your coaching sessions? That's a good question. I don't know if we've had that many. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think most of them are... Fairly kind of you know normal coaching sessions. Um, we build people up in progression. We've had, um, I guess, one of the the big things was we had a rider that wanted to come along and do um, a couple of massive drops. So we've got two big drops here in the forest, and their aim for the day was to be able to complete those drops. And yeah, we built them up. It was a three-hour session, and we built them up. Um, start small, and then, yeah, in the last sort of half an hour of the course got them off the drop and they they did them absolutely fine did them over and over and over again said right we'll we'll head back to the center um get the session finished literally 30 seconds away from the car park just clipped a route 
flip straight over the bars, smash like snap their handlebars in half and, you know, smash their face into the floor. And it's like, it, it just goes to show, you know, you could be riding the biggest and gnarliest thing ever um, and just be riding along. Just when you're not thinking about it, that's when the worst thing that can happen, you know, like your, your brain switched off. You're not thinking about what you're doing. You're kind of, you're still caught up in the memory of what you've just achieved. And then and suddenly, yeah, it just kind of shows you've got to be switched on a hundred percent of the time when you're riding riding yes. the mountain bike. Be um, all the time on the bike. It's something really important. I think it's way more important in mountain bikes. Otherwise you can really, I don't know, you can crash in the traffic. Uh, sorry, you can crash in the, in the parking lot without any problem. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's actually funny kind of me saying that now because we kind of went out on the weekend me and my partner and um yeah we were both so tired and we literally just did a nice kind of cross-country ride over to the trails that we rode a hundred times before um just on the we both said to each other right let's let's go home and literally just did the last sort of 50 meters of the trail um and yeah there was a crash and broken collarbone so it Ooh. was uh yeah it's, it's hard you just you know you know when you're when you're that tired and you're not switched on, that's when the, the mistakes start to happen. And kind of going back to what we were saying with the all of the training and stuff like that, if you're kind of racing at that top level, you've got to be switched on from, from top to bottom of the hill. And if you're not fit enough to be able to hold on or, or last for the, you know, like the last minute of that race, then your body is going to fatigue and that's going to fatigue your mind. And that's where the injury is going to happen even yeah. quicker as well. So, yeah, it's... Uh, is your partner right now or still collarbone is hurting? Collarbone is still hurting, yes. It was only on the weekend, so there's a lot a lot of a lot of pain going on in the house right now. Oh, damn it. Okay. Okay. Super sorry for that. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> yeah, because actually you were saying something interesting that um Seems like for us uh roadies, let's say weak arm roadies that Mountain bike, it's something that doesn't last so much, right? You are going out maybe for rides that are, I don't know, I think that there are still people probably you do also all day riding, just enjoying and uh, your downhill, downhills, your trail, trails and stuff. But usually it's an effort that is around max couple of hours, three hours in uh, your day. While road cyclists, for example, I was out for a, a bike ride on Tuesday and I was out for almost 10 hours. Then you think, ah, come on, you cannot be tired after a couple of hours. Well, no, for what we were saying before, it's actually not like this, right? You are really using all your body strength and you can really be fatigued at the end of it. Yeah, it's funny. So we get, um, you know, a lot of road riders come along and, you know, come along to us because they've just started the mountain bike stuff. And um, yeah, they say they're out road riding sort of, you know, every weekend riding sort of, you know, over 100 miles and whatever. And they're like, oh, yeah, let's go up the first hill and, you know, 10 minutes into the ride they're absolutely knackered but it's a totally different kind of you know even riding up the hills it's you're still moving around on the bike and you've still got to be thinking about where you're going you've got to be able to place your front wheel to where you want it to go um yeah you're still trying to keep your balance riding so much slower as well so it's different muscles and yeah and then when you start going downhill it's using your whole body as well so yeah I mean you I think just from experience racing downhill and stuff you know we're not we're not needing to be out on the bike more than sort of two three hours at a time because that's going to be that's going to build a, a good level of base fitness um i think when you're racing enduro it's going to be a lot different because you know those races are kind of 
you know, some of them you're out on the bike eight hours twice a day. So you're out racing Saturday and Sunday. So a lot of the enduro riders now, I believe, are out on the, the road bike building that, you know, building the muscles and building building a, a lot bigger base fitness, if that is the right words to use. Yes, makes sense. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I have just two last things and then I will let you be. Is We have been talking cool. forever, but I would talk with you forever as well. Um, <laughs> You have, do you have a favorite trail? You were mentioning before your cross-country trail uh, that you were doing over and over and you have done also with not so much fortune this weekend, but you were telling me before as well that you have a lot of cool trails, local trails all around. There is one that you really call your backyard trail, the trail that actually you go there for training, for having fun, for switching off, to think about your business, to be creative, whatever. Um, it's a really hard question for me to answer. Um, if you knew the place where we live, um, yeah, I mean, every single woodland around here, we've got, you know, off-piece trails and yeah, there's so many people that are keen to build around here that, that we've got so many trails around us. So I don't really have a favourite trail to ride. Um, I mean, on, you know, one one hillside, which is literally a 30-second ride from me, we've got... Uh, 20, 21 trails just on one little hillside and then you cross the road a minute away and you've got another another 20 trails and then you've got another 20 trails so it's literally you know within five minutes of, of a ride you've you've got sort of 50 60 trails so it's um yeah we are literally bang in the middle of the forest and I can ride five seconds out my door and I'm all, already on the trail so um yeah my local trails or my my backyard trails are yeah, miles and miles and miles long. And we, we, I guess I don't have a favourite because I just love riding this area altogether. I mean, the Forest of Dean, you could ride, you could ride for two weeks solid and not ride the same trail once. So you never, never get bored, which is really nice. So yeah, we've got a, a, a lots of variety around here from really steep, crazy technical trails to, um, yeah, nice flowy, nice flowy trails. So yeah, I'm very lucky for where I live. That's super perfect. Um, I have the last thing that I want to ask you. So I yep. was uh, reading around a bit of articles talking about you and I found this amazing article wrote by Jessica Strange. Um, yeah. It was the five things that you probably don't know about Katie Kurt. <laughs> and there is something that caught my attention. You don't like chocolate and coffee, Katie. <laughs> I knew that was going to come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm slightly weird and I get told this every single time. But yeah. <laughs> Uh, two things I don't like in my life are uh, coffee and chocolate. They, uh, yeah, chocolate's the worst one for me. It just makes well makes me want to be sick. It's horrible. So yeah, yeah I can tell you that I have no problem with chocolate. I'm not a chocolate fan. If I can avoid any kind of chocolate cake, it's not my favorite. Uh, also, when they ask you when you get a cappuccino in Italy or here in Switzerland, wherever you go, you ask for a cappuccino. Do you want some uh, chocolate or whatever? No. Leave me alone, but coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm, uh, I kind of wish I did like coffee because I like the smell of it. I walk in and, you know, like you go into a coffee shop and you either get offered a tea or a coffee and there's so many different choices in your coffee and yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't even, we don't drink caffeine at all. Um, okay. So yeah, even the tea here we have is it's Rubos or, or decaf tea. So um, yeah, 
Now, anyways, um, you seem pretty active. You won your uh, national championships, <laughs> uh, whatever, even without caffeine. You don't need to be caffeinated to be no. <laughs> happy in your life. So it's okay. <laughs> yes. God knows what would happen if I started drinking caffeine. I'd be yeah. uh, bounce off the walls. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can tell you that actually I have the same feeling. I would love to like tea. Because yeah. I like all the tradition, you know, all the books that you are reading, <laughs> Russian books, uh, British books, uh, Indian books and whatever, or movies or whatever. Everybody's getting a coffee, having a good time, having relaxing, good chats and conversation and stuff. But I cannot drink it and I really hate myself for not doing it. But, uh, you know, tastes are tastes. You cannot change yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you can actually be relaxed just by drinking a glass of water. It's fine. It's the same thing. Uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Cathy, <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot for this great and lovely chat today. It was really great no pleasure for me. Thank you for having me. Uh, maybe just one thing that I want to ask you, if you want to tell us just as last little piece where people can find you around, I don't know, Instagram or contacts or whatever. Anybody that is living there around your area is interested in having a coaching session or just a ride with you? If Yeah, definitely. So um, I guess I'm most active on my Instagram page, which is just my name, Katie Curd, K-A-T-Y-C-U-R-D. Um, and then, yeah, we have our, our website for the coaching stuff as well. Um, I also have an Instagram page for the, the coaching as well, which is just Katie Curd Coaching. Um, but yeah, the website is probably the best place to go for catching up on booking coaching or, or what events we've got on. So yeah, check it out. The, the website's katiecurdcoaching.com, so hopefully fairly simple to find. Yes. Thanks a lot, Katie. And uh, I think you're going to go for a ride later today. So enjoy the ride. Yes, it will be. Yeah, thank you very much. Enjoy your week. <laughs> thank you. Ciao, ciao. Cheers. Be relaxed. Be relaxed while going downhill. That's something that I need to learn. By the way, people out there, probably that's something that I need to ask to Katie as well. If you know how to improve my bike handling skills, still about your, actually my, my drop bar style, let me know that something that I cannot do, I cannot really place my hands on the drops of the handlebar in order to come down from downhills in a proper way. Does anybody of you has any tip for that? Just let me know because I would be super happy to start doing it. Yesterday I was out with a bike and all my friends were doing it and they were super fast, way more faster, way faster than me. And I felt a bit, you know. But yeah, who cares? The important thing is going uphill. The uphill part is something that I love, at least while I am on tarmac or on drop bars. Being relaxed on a downhill. I can be way more relaxed on planning with Komoot now because actually since a couple of days from now, there was a redefinition, something like an improvement of the maps for our adventure. You will see that actually with the new uh, features and with the new updates of the app, now planning your route is gonna be even easier. Yes, because with changing the design of the maps and changing a bit the colors and getting them sharper, it's gonna be easier, for example, recognize and spot on at the first glance, which one are the national parts. And so you can ride all around there or you can avoid even easier private roads or closed ones because yes, especially here in Switzerland, can be a bit of a problem. Then cycling paths are going to be easier as well to spot and also planning routes in smaller routes is going to be 
easier. Why that? Because it's going to be easier to recognize which one are the highway or which one are the big roads or which one are the little ones. And just remember, talking about mountain bikes, that we have a classification of the single track from the easiest to the most difficult one. And they are based on numbers and colors. We talked about that last time. But you know now that actually your mountain bike plans, they're going to be even easier to build up. It's going to be easier because it's going to be easier to spot everything else with the new design of the maps. Go on Komoot, you can figure it out and you will see how cool it's going to be. Remember that you can support this podcast into different ways. Basically, also three. Let's start from the first one, the easiest one. Down there, description below, you're going to find the coffee link where you can just chip in with your PayPal account. Or remember that you can share, rate, subscribe, do whatever you want with the application that you're using for this podcast. This will give me a lot of help. Or you can just send me feedback. You can do it on my Instagram account, CC on the Instagram account of the Broom Wagon, Broom Wagon Club. I'm going to answer to it, no worries. Or just send me an email, hello at calamaro.cc. That's the email. And yeah, of course, remember that all the time that me or my guests are mentioning the word COVID, a coin is going to be dropped into the COVID jar where we are going to collect some money. I'm going to collect some money that they are going to arrive directly to the Sea Watch to support this amazing NGO who is saving life of refugees that are moving from Africa to Europe through the central Mediterranean route. And if you want to be all the time super up to date on what is going on in my head or in my life or everywhere, you can just subscribe to the Broomwagon newsletter that comes out every other Friday. The link to subscribe to it is just there below. What else? Nothing else. I think that actually we're gonna jump into the awesome conversation about mountain bikes drop to flat is gonna come back to you in one week enjoy it sound right boy